1: the nightcap on wgr sports radio 550 that's right it's the nightcap here on wgr 550 i'm franklin heinsman joined by brendan keeney at brendan keeney on twitter is that right that is right that is right Alrighty, we have so much to talk about today it's sort of an embarrassment of riches it's best case scenario for i guess making your on-air debut, right? We got the Sabre schedule came out, oh, I don't know, half hour ago. Sabers trade, rumors, the lack of trades made around the NHL today, the Kraken kind of just picking bad players because they could. <laughs> I don't get it. I, neither do I. I. NHL draft. You know, let's, uh, let's talk about the Sabre schedule a little bit. Does anything stick out to you? I say they open with the Canadians on October 14th, and they end with the Blackhawks. At the end of April, April 29th. I'm just scouring it now. I see they hit the road. They really hit the road. They hit the plane to go to Seattle on November 4th. That's when the Sabres and the Kraken will meet for the first time in franchise history.
0: Anything stick out to you, Brendan? Uh, not really. I'm just expecting a lot of losses this year. That's all. That's I'm, what I'm... sticks out to me, kind of. <laughs> uh, but I do I do like the, uh, the openings. Uh, not a terribly tough schedule to start. Uh, you got the Canadians, Coyotes, Canucks, uh, the Bruins, and then the Devils. So, right. But uh, it, so much of hockey, to me at least, is if you can get out to that fast start, you don't want to be playing catch-up. For the rest that's of the year, true. because it is so difficult to make up points later in the season, because of what I think is kind of a ridiculous pointing point format. But yeah, it's neither here nor there.
1: You're right, but also because hockey is such a random sport, right? right? Any given night, you can't count on a win, so it's not like you have any breaks in the schedule. Even well, that being said. Teams look at the Sabres and think, oh, we got to break in the schedule. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, from the Sabres' perspective, you can't really count on anything. So if you get out to that slow start like you're alluding to and you really get behind the eight ball, teams start to pounce on that and pounce on that, you're, you know, out of it by that point. Absolutely. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed today.
0: I really did think there was going
1: to be a trade. Uh, dude, I, actually, we
0: do have a trade. Yeah, but I meant a Sabers trade. I, meant, <laughs> I was gonna. I meant I was like, gonna I do Sabers, oh, uh, a Reinhardt, oh. or uh, or a alignment trade. I wasn't necessarily expecting an Eichel trade because no. I, I, I don't think that we're all that close, to be honest. It's kind of the the. Uh, how how I'm perceiving things are playing out on the Eichel front, but as far as Ristolainen and uh, Reinhardt are concerned, I really was expecting one today, and maybe, and maybe there will come one right. tonight, but as of now, there has not been one.
1: Like I said on Twitter, I promise, Brendan and I will be watching Twitter like Hawks. If any trade breaks, we'll have it for you right here, WGR, and, of course, details on WGR550.com. But going back to trades, I, I was really kind of excited to sort of drop on you that Nelson Cruz has been traded. From the Minnesota Twins guess. to the Tampa Bay Rays, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I was hoping everyone would get all fired up about that. But anyway, back to Sabres trades. Um, yeah, I mean, I think let me. This is a point that I've been trying to get across. You know, I've been meaning to get across, and I think trading specifically Rasmus Ristolainen is more than just trading a right-handed defenseman who's been in the league for eight years for X, Y, Z assets, whatever. I think it symbolizes. Really starting over and really hitting the reset button. Sure, you can trade Eichel and argue that too, but Ristolainen's been a sticking point in everyone's hat. Like, oh gosh, we got to watch Ristolainen. Maybe not everyone. There are people that you know. like There are still those defenders They're, out there. As unbelievable as it is, yes, there are still those defenders. But trading Rasmus Ristolainen, I think, sort of maybe not flushes the past 10 years down the toilet, but flips the page more than trading Reinhardt or Eichel. Is that, is that could I argue that? Uh, maybe you could argue it.
0: What I think you could argue, though, is it will finally be a move that people have been clamoring for mm-hmm. and expecting sometimes for years. For <laughs> years. <laughs> So to, for that yeah, to has finally years. happen, it will be a relief. And here's the di- here's the thing about Ristolainen. I do not put all the blame on what has been a failure between him and the organization for his entire tenure as a saver. Right. It's been a failure. Uh, I do right. not put all of the blame on Ristolainen. He's been clearly overused. He's been clearly put in positions where it's difficult for him to succeed. I could very much see Ristolainen going to a better team – An organization with more defensive depth, where he doesn't need to take 25 to 30 minutes a night playing against teams' top lines, and I can see him having a bounce back to his career. We know the guy has the talent; he has the physical tools to be a good hockey player. Does he have the mind to the hockey mind to be able to compete 25 to 30 minutes a night against those first lines? I don't think so. Right? Could he slot in as a three, four on a on a good team? Maybe.
1: You've seen in a common theme with all of the rumors that have been circulating, you know, X team, Y team is interested. They're looking for a top four defenseman, a top six defenseman, and all of those teams have been linked to Rasmus Ristolainen. You haven't seen any rumors specifically with Ristolainen being like, this team really needs a number one defenseman, and they're calling the Sabres for Rasmus Ristolainen. Like, it's obvious that everyone in the NHL sees Ristolainen as – Oh, just he'd be good. Yeah, he'd give us really good depth. Middle, middle defenseman. Middle defenseman. That's defense what man, you're acquiring be, for. Yeah, you're not, yeah, you're
0: not acquiring him to reshape your blue line. Right. And uh, that's just not who he is. And I think that's been proven during his tenure with the Sabres. But the the fa- there's a couple of things that have kind of been said this week by various insiders, including uh, NHL Rumors Daily, who said that the market for Ristolainen is pretty vast. That's right. And So that gives me hope that maybe that the Sabres could acquire what would be an equivalent or better, hopefully better, than losing Borgen to yes. Seattle yesterday. And that's really what I'm looking for that's, for Arista That's Day. what I want to touch on. As this, long as you can get something equal or better than Borgen, then I am okay with what happened yesterday.
1: Is that, uh, unless I'm totally blanking on it right now, but let's say, there, which, and there's a world where this very much happens. We fast forward maybe a few weeks... Rasmus Ristolainen is still on the team. Other, You've heard XYZ insiders say, oh, this team pulled out on Rasmus Ristolainen, the Jets pulled out on and the Canadians pulled out on Ristolainen, and he's still here. And this is after Will Borgen has been signed, sealed, delivered, a Seattle, member of the Seattle Kraken. Is that strike one against Kevin Adams? I wouldn't say strike
0: one. It would be concerning. It would be concerning because <sighs> what... Would be strike one. That's that's a better question. That's, that's it, a good. If you can, if you can, if Rasmus Ristol at this point you lost Borgin yesterday. If Ristolainen's in your starting lineup, come uh, what's their what's October, the, October 14th. Four, yeah. Yep. If he's in your starting lineup, that is major strike. Losing Borgin, who, and let's be real, okay, Will Borgin is not going to be the second coming of Bobby Orr. No. He's probably going to slot in as a 5'6 defenseman, but he's a controllable, cheap asset that you developed That's for what, yep. years. Years. So you finally see the fruits of developing this player... He played pretty well in a very small sample size for the Sabres. Before he got injured, he wasn't as great when he returned from injury. But before he got injured, played very well in a small sample size. And that's something the Sabres have had trouble doing is developing these kinds of players. So for one to come through the system, pay his dues, and then get to the NHL and play decent, that was a good sign. And then you lose him right away. So if that doesn't come to fruition, if they cannot flip Ristolainen for what Borgen is worth or more then that's a real issue. And I do not think you can go into the season at this point with Ristolainen on your defensive core. And I agree. Um,
1: Where do I want to go with this? I think Ristolainen's – not Ristolainen's, excuse me, Will Borgen. Mm. I think his timeline of developing in the system, developing in the system, showing he has really promising, you know, really putting in work with the Americs over in Rochester – coming up to the NHL and finally getting a shot and then only for it to be like flushed down the toilet. I think that's an organizational problem, right? Going even back to Jason Botterill. He said, we really want players to get time in Rochester. We really want players to get time in Rochester. Ralph Kruger comes in. Okay. We're going to sign this gritty veteran, this gritty veteran and Matt Irwin and uh, you know, all of these borderline fourth line players to give those players time to develop. Well, couldn't you have just brought up the prospects and like giving them the time to show like hey don't expose me i'm worth keeping give like to actually give them the chance because i feel like with will borgen what we saw in the limited sample size we were talking about it was worth it was better than matt Irwin. it was better than all these scrubs that just get brought in on minimum contracts to eat ice time like it's and it's also no
0: secret That a major issue within the organization, especially over the last decade, maybe even more, is identifying players in the draft in the middle rounds and developing those players that can be contributors at the NHL level. The Sabres history in drafting, especially over the last decade and developing players, is abysmal. It's abysmal. And that's why and maybe we get overexcited. As people who watch the Sabres and follow the Sabres organization year in and year out, we get overexcited about these players that make it through the system. Because they so rare. Because it's rare. You think about a guy like Olafson. Olafson has a great shot, and he's a power play specialist. But he really struggles at even strength. He really struggles at even strength. But we see Olafson. He came through the system. He was a sixth-round pick, and it's elevated because... It's so rare for guys to get picked in those kind of late rounds and then make their way through the system. I think the same kind of thing's happening with Borgen. I think Sabres fans might be overvaluing what he actually is, but at the same time, he played well in a small sample size. Granted, and, he's in his mid-20s,
1: and he's played 14 NHL games. And I, I think even looking at the prospects now, there's a hive on Twitter, Sabres, whatever, Sabres social media, to get our two roots aligned in men's. Same idea. Comes through the system Does really well in Rochester. Does really well over in Europe, where he played in the league. That's escaping me, but I know he scored a bunch of goals. (laughs) Um, and we're all like, "Let's get a minutes. Let's get a minutes. Let's get a minutes." Because it's so rare, like you said, for um, Sabres prospects to turn out. Let's. I mean, speaking of Sabres prospects, the Sabres are going to get one. What next? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. That's right. Tomorrow night. The NHL draft coverage is going to be right here on WGR.
0: No, I think real quick, Franklin. I'm sorry to to jump in here, but no, I think good? it's really funny that almost the last thing people are talking about yes! is that the Sabers have <laughs> the you're literal right. number one pick in the NHL draft tomorrow, and that's that's not that was it certainly wasn't on my mind. No, today. oh no, no. My I mind was... is what's
1: happening with Reinhardt. What's happening with yes. Crystal Because you know what I think it is in part two. All of the top prospects in this draft, namely. Owen Power, William Eklund, who's been linked to the Sabres a lot, Matthew Byrne. Veneers. Veneers, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Are all pretty, I don't want to say locks, but they're not going to be in the NHL next year. Right. Whereas returns in a Eichel Reinhardt wrist lining trade, you could see a little bit sooner. So maybe people are a little more excited to see the returns and what Kevin Adams can do more than. Oh no, we're picking first, and the draft class isn't that great. Uh, everyone has their cons. Uh, okay, we'll there's no surefire number one. There's no surefire naturally, is, which is so natural. In for the, the, the funny, savers. right? And yeah. <laughs> the
0: and the funny thing to me is that it seems like that should be a conversation worth having. There is no, a lot of people say Owen Power is the number one prospect. <laughs> Excuse me. A lot of people say Owen Power is the number one prospect, and that's if I had to bet on it. I would say that's whose name is going to get called by the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow. But I still think there is wiggle room for the conversation. We knew back in 2015 when McDavid went first overall, we knew who the second pick was going to be. It was going to be Jack Eichel.
1: Which, how rare is that? Right. There's a bona fide number one, but not even that, a bona fide number two. two.
0: And when Dahlin, when the Sabres won the the lottery in Dahlin's draft class, we all knew Rasmus Dahlin was going to be the pick. This year, while we think that Owen Power is going to be the pick. There is still that wiggle room, and like you mentioned earlier, there has been linkage between Eklund and the Sabres. If the Sabres can't work out a deal to get the third, or the fifth, or the eighth pick, yep. and Eklund's not there, what do the Sabres do? Do they take Owen a- Power, who kinda has that, uh, the more, I don't wanna say surefire, because I don't know if any of the prospects are surefire. No. Owen Power is a very good prospect, by the way. Don't Here, get me wrong.
1: Yes, here's what I've heard about Owen Power. and. I'm not. I'm not bashful. I'm definitely more of an NFL draft guy. I love the NFL stuff, NFL draft, and I'm not as keen on NHL draft stuff. But from what I've read, it sounds like Owen Power is, a you know, what scouts are saying and everyone ranking is saying is like you can't go wrong with that. But we haven't heard as much discourse around the lot, you know, the number one bona fide number ones as we've heard in the past. So you read into it. And you see that he's sort of like a traitsy defenseman, he's huge, like the logic there is well he's so big and he skates so well, what can go wrong? <laughs> <sighs> Do you, I? Oh, he, I've he, been going back now, and forth
0: with. To be fair, he does have offensive skills. Yes, he yes. plays well on the point. But, he, but that goes into the
1: equation right. too. Oh, he's so big. He skates so
0: well. He is an offensive defenseman. What can go wrong? Another another thing to keep in mind when we're having this discussion about number one overall, which I want to clarify, I do think will be Owen Power. I'm not suggesting yes, so do that I. it won't be. So do I. But I think a thing to keep in mind is that you are about to lose two guys who theoretically our centers. I mean Jack Eichel is a is a, obviously a center, but Sam Reinhart played wing for most of his uh Buffalo career and then showed last year that he can play center very well in this league. And I think so two centers could be missing. I would not mind to see I would not mind seeing them take a forward tomorrow at one overall. Now that would not I... be uh you know but... it, it might not
1: be value or whatever you right. want to call it, but it is what it is. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> But the th- but the thing with that is it's like well they're not going to be the NHL anyway so draft for the long term. You see all these teams and this is sort of me making a case for Owen Power. One part being you see all these teams make deep runs into the Stanley Cup finals, right? They have all loaded defensemen. It's not like they're running on the top pair and they have four scrubs behind them and they're rotating guys out, you know, but that are ultimately healthy scratches. They have Three pairs of defensemen that make an impact. And I think with Owen Power, you set up Darlene and haru I think that's fair to say that's pairing one for the long term with the Sabres. Am I wrong in saying that? And you set up Power and X. You set up half of your defensemen to be sustainable in the long term for a playoff run. And all I've heard about Owen Power from these um, pundits and experts is that it's at worst, he's going to give you top four minutes, which is what, like I said, what you need to go deep into the playoffs. And the other thing I want to get to really quickly, I know I I want you to chime in on this as well, but with Owen Power, the what can you know the thing about his traits? Well, he's fast, offensive ability, huge. What can go wrong? Not that I think it's going to go wrong, but because that's not where I'm going. I want him to go back to school because we've learned crossing over sports with josh allen if you take chances on traits rocket arm huge mobile what can go wrong and he has a chance to develop that with michigan with what is reportedly going to be a loaded team with michigan oh it certainly is i think that will end up being better than picking eckland or benears Now, of course, it's a gamble. It it could all go up in flames. I have no idea. But the logic in picking power being, okay, we're going to bet on traits because you can't teach traits in any sport is something I can get behind. And you set them up for the long term, set up your decor for the long term. Okay, I can get behind that.
0: Listen, if the Sabres call Owen Power's name tomorrow, I will not be disappointed. But I do think there is a valid argument to be made that forwards are more valuable in today's NHL, except, especially uh, highly skilled play-driving forwards. I would agree. And sure, maybe the value's not there if you take a Beneers or an Eklund at one, especially Eklund. I think Beneers would give you less backlash if you took him at one.
1: Because he's a center, right? Uh,
0: yes. And I, he's, more, he's mostly known as that number two prospect. Right. So... Sure. If you if you take what maybe the value's not there, but I'm not really concerned about the value because I would flip it on you and say there's just inherently more value in being a great forward than having and then having a great defenseman. And so what we have to look at what the Sabres need long term. Do you really want to have the first overall pick within four years of each other be two defensemen? I'm not sure that's the best. Case scenario, especially when you're about to lose two, or at
1: least that's the, the sentiment, Brendan, is you're that con- you're about to lose two <laughs> high-powered forwards. You're convincing me right now. Because, like, uh, I but I just, you know what it is? And you, you can't draft like this. And I hope this is not the mentality. This is the mentality of someone who is talking on the radio. This can't be the mentality of someone who's in the front office making this decision. How bad is it going to look if... My hypothetical scenario turns out Owen Power goes back to school in the next draft class. He'd be bona fide. The number one prospect and Seattle. I don't know if it would be Seattle taking him or Seattle or Anaheim have his rights. And it's like, oh, look at this. We've got the next greatest defenseman and we picked him a year earlier. We bet on him and it worked out. How bad is that going to look for Buffalo? If I, they say, I agree. No, thanks. I
0: think that is part of the equation. And as much as any general manager in any sport will say that public perception is not part of the equation when they make these kind of major decisions, I think that has. it's just a human thing, right? right. If you go against the grain and you select someone who—and you don't select the person, I should, I should say, who most have as their number one prospect— and that blows up in your face. That looks a lot worse than you taking said prospect and him not panning out. I would agree. If if Connor McDavid didn't pan out, no one. What are you gonna do? Everyone. One? What everyone, do you want us to in their do? Mo- everyone in their mother would have picked uh, Connor McDavid number one overall. Yes. So part of that might be in the equation. As much as any general manager, any front office person will say that is not part of the equation. There might be an element of fear, especially with where this franchise is right now can they afford publicly there's just so many there's just only there's so much so you many. can take as an organization can you afford something like this to happen
1: i've i don't know if i don't know if you can brandon to be honest with you i don't know if you can all righty we are going to take a break here on wgr it's the nightcap i want to guys let you guys know that coverage of the nhl draft on wgr is brought to you by Relax honda RayLex, we got this by Fiegel Car, and Joyce, your border attorneys, and by Jim Stakeout, celebrating 40 years of mouth-watering hoagies and chicken finger subs. All right, when we get back, I want to get into this. Brendan, you, we started to touch on this for a little minute here, but it, the conversation short has shifted, so we'll save it for next break. The Seattle Kraken, the roster, the show last night on ESPN, the moves they didn't make. I want to talk about it all. It's the Nightcap here on WGR. All righty, welcome back. It's the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Franklin Hinesman filling in for Joe tonight. Brendan Keeney, the Nightcap veteran. Can I call you that? No, I don't know. Not yet. I think you have to be two years in. Okay. All right. <laughs> so the Nightcap person, <laughs> Brendan Keeney, at Brendan Keeney on Twitter, at underscore Franklin underscore H on Twitter. All let's talk expansion draft. Um, What? I didn't get it. What? So they so they just like purposely picked bad players? I've explain I don't understand the logic. Like you had so many options. You could have either went, like, okay, we're gonna go all in and pick the best players. Maybe we'll be closer to the salary cap, but um we're gonna compete this year and make a run at it with all this loaded talent. They could have went the total opposite way and went Okay, we're gonna pick a bunch of players that maybe aren't gonna look good on paper, but oh, just you wait—we got a bunch of side deals, and we're gonna be so loaded for the future. I'm getting One nothing. of the things that confuses me the most what? is is the side deals. They, that, nothing. That, that I mean, no, they that okay. didn't come through. That's and, not that's not true. I, I take that back. They traded Tyler Pitlick to the uh, to the Calgary Flames.
0: That was That's not even a side deal. All they did was flip him. Oh, As, it's God. not. It's not like they oh, they geez. made a deal. Oh. You give us a second and we won't take your guy. That's not what what they did. And honestly, what I heard is that their asking price was astronomical. Right. I also, and maybe other NHL GMs saw what happened with Vegas, saw how well they did with that process, and said, you know what, we don't want to make that kind of deal. And if that's the case, then okay, good on the other GMs, but... If you're not making deals then why are you taking these players?
1: What I don't understand what you see in these players. Like okay, maybe they're go okay, I understand what you see in the goalies. Okay. Dreger from Florida had a really good year in limited sample size. Okay, maybe he can be goalie one going forward. I know he was that he was one of the like marquee players they were advertising last night on the show. And then Vanasek is a good backup option in case that totally pans out. The defense. Um you got a lot of good players there they, it's not going to be the best defense in the NHL, but it's not—it's not an AHL team. Like you have some actual players on there, and then you get to the forwards. Like I—I I don't know where they're gonna, how they're gonna score goals. Are they? Maybe their goal was to like build like the Islanders and just say like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll make teams really have to like focus on defense, counter, and then score. But I don't know if they're that fast. I don't know if they can do that. So, just the whole thing is perplexing to me you see it's funny franklin a couple
0: of days ago uh dom Lucician from the athletic put out I saw this an yeah, article yeah. that he basically drafted a seattle team that would have been salary cap compliant that got 105 points or would have been projected to get 105 points by his models which
1: is un- which would be unreal yeah
0: it would be fantastic good for you so those players were available And they said no thanks. And they said no thanks. And here's the thing. I have a bet with Joe Biasi. If the Sabres get more points than the Kraken this year, he gets to throw me through a table. Oh, wow. If – On air? uh, We did it on social media, but we've alluded to it a couple times on air. Okay. If – the Kraken get more points than the Sabres. I get to throw him through a table. So someone's getting put through someone a table. Is, someone is oh undoubtedly getting goodness. put through a table, and I felt really good a few days ago. Oh, I no, felt really friend. good, <laughs> and right now <laughs> no. I still feel okay, but I feel
1: much worse. I would like to see what the trade returns are, if at all, like we alluded to. Maybe they don't get traded, but I would like to see what the trade returns are from the marquee Eichel, Reinhardt, Ristolainen. Before I say... Good bet or bad bet? Yeah, to be fair, though, I don't think but, those deals are going to yield a lot for this year. Those at le- deals, at least, those w- at least like cap dumps that can could put be on cap,
0: could be cap dumps, sure. But <laughs> I, I'm not expecting if you're not really a cap dump if you're expected to contribute right. to a team. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, you could a little bit, and maybe you just got to move the, that salary. You're so desperate to move the salary, but I mean, come on. And and actually, that's something that I'd like to talk about real quick. Yeah, go for it. The Sabers should absolutely unequivocally be in the market of taking on bad contracts. They should follow the footprint of what the Coyotes are doing, acquiring guys like Andrew Ladd and mm-hmm. stocking up on picks. Because let's let's call a spade a spade here. This is going to be a rebuild for yes. the Sabres. When you're losing your two best players in Eichel and Reinhardt, your, who has been your number one defenseman, you can debate whether or not he's a number one defenseman all you want in Rasmus Ristolainen. You're losing points, you're losing wins this year. You yes. are going into a rebuild and you're relying on the future. But you have all the salary cap in the world. Let's take on some of these bad contracts and get some get some
1: picks. But he, here's the here's the thing though. Maybe this is just me being a cynical Sabres fan that I've been trained to be over the past 10 years. But I could very well see it be the case of ownership going to Kevin Adams and being like like you said Okay, we're probably going to stink this year. That's fine. But I'm not coming up near the salary cap just to finish in, what, 30th, 29th again. So no, 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 no. None of these cap dumps. And maybe that's the case. But I think
0: that should be a, a sell by management. Yeah. Uh, it, it should be a sell by management. Listen, yes, the NHL draft is a crapshoot like all drafts are, but maybe even more so the NHL draft. Yeah. Maybe even more so. The, the the MLB draft, the NHL draft, they are crapshoots. No one knows what's going to happen with these guys, right? But you need the you need to take the shots. The more shots you have, the more chances yeah. you have to land a steal. It's it's simp- it's so simple. More lottery tickets. Yeah, more lottery tickets. All you're doing is buying more lottery tickets. The more chances you have, the higher chance you have of drafting a Nikita Kucherov in the second round, of drafting a XYZ in rounds three, four, five, and six, and seven. I mean, the Sabres have not been able to really get those guys, as we talked about earlier, which is why Will Borgen, who was a fourth-round pick, and he got through the system and made it to the NHL and played well. That's why it resonated with us, and I think a lot of people are overvaluing him. As I said, I did not like the loss of Borgen. But he's not about he's not But, it's, it's, or, not but gonna, it, it's not gonna ruin how I view this offseason as long as good, smart, let's take advantage of our situation moves start to come to fruition here. You, and I think that's one way to capitalize. Get some of these guys that, that teams are yeah, desperate right. to dump and make them give you picks. And I'll take
1: it, I'll take it a step further. Take those cap dumps in the big trades that you're gonna make this offseason and Maybe you in the analytics department, which I will give the Sabres credit, has totally been redone. They're serious about analytics. They're not coming out and saying I am yeah, encouraged we really, about that. We I really Yeah, we really uh, we really believe in analytics and then forty eight hours later sign Cody Eakin. Like I, I think they're serious about it now. And so maybe with those cap dumps in the trades that you maybe or you maybe include in the trades for you know the players that we've been talking about maybe you see something that it's like hey maybe he can like be sort of serviceable and not like the fans least favorite player and like ah oh, you know maybe he can stick around or maybe get like flipped at the deadline sure if he shows something that maybe we find that this team doesn't hold valuable anymore sure i mean that's what i mean that's what it, it kind of does like that's kind of right. the,
0: the whole idea of moneyball right. is to find value where no one else sees it and if you can do that and you can help retool an organization that Amazingly does not have good low organizational depth in terms of prospects. Amazingly (laughs) for being so bad for so long. Now now part of that is because they picked so high and a lot of their guys have graduated relatively soon to the NHL level. But another part of it is that they just haven't been doing well at drafting. So but just keep on you gotta keep on taking shots. You gotta try on, on, you gotta try something different. And I you know, I tweeted the other day that I am somewhat optimistic about this offseason. I am somewhat optimistic, and I think part of that is because of the mind frame of renewed hope or selling something different. You're not bringing back the same team and expecting different results. You're at least trying something new. And as much as I don't want to see Eichel leave because he's the best player the Sabres have had in a long time. Since Dominic Hasek. Since, yeah, I mean, probably
1: since since Ryan Miller, I mean, Breer had a ninety-three
0: point season or something like that.
1: But I, but Eichel's been better. He's been a point per game player. He's been in like an MVP caliber player sure. level. Like I, and
0: I, if you want to argue that Eichel's been the best player on the team since Hasek, I'm not gonna. Right, I'm not gonna. It, be, but the bottom line is, it should be a bad thing that you're losing your franchise player. It was thought to be your franchise player, and while that is that sucks. I'm ready to move forward in, yes. a, di- in a direction that brings us kind of new hope. What's going to get me to October with excitement about the direction of this organization? If you can nail a couple of these trades, if you can acquire some of that draft currency, I think that
1: gets you there. You touched on Jack Eichel, and I think this is the point where, you know, th- like I mentioned, this is my first time hosting, and so I can really put this out there, is that you said it with Ristoline earlier, I'm the feel this way about Jack Eichel. None of this is his fault, wanting to be like, you guys have wasted my time. I've shown that I'm willing to put in the work, be the captain, you know, the whole nine yards of being the prototypical franchise player. And I want out. I have no problem with him saying that because, like, I maybe I'm just more pro player, but I don't have any – issue with saying with him taking advantage of his value and looking around the NHL and being like wow must be nice to have a winning season must be nice to have all those fun things it like, must I be wanted...
0: nice you can boil it down to e- even less than a winning season Jack Eichel hasn't played a meaningful game but, in yeah. his NHL career must be nice to he hasn't played a meaningful he has not played a game that has been like oh my gosh this actually Ready? has here's, a lot of bearing here's on the what's most moving me- forward
1: here's the most meaningful game that comes to my mind that he's played Whenever the Maple Leafs come to town, yeah. and he like shoves a- it in their face, it up. yeah, and he lights it up. That that's been the biggest game. That's the biggest moment that Jack Eichel has been in. That's not the biggest, you know, contribution, but the biggest scenario he's sure. been in is a rivalry game that's pretty lopsided, and the away fans take over the arena the whole time. And it was,
0: uh, it was fun for like 10 games yeah. in the – two thousand. oh, my gosh. How long ago was that? Was that
1: the 19th season? <sighs> Dude, I, time has flown by. But, yeah. <laughs> well, sure. Well, um, 10 straight games. Yeah. Which, side note, I was at the game they beat the Flyers to make it sw- – Oh, was that the one they went off in the first series? Yes. It was like 4, four nothing. The, yes, yeah. correct.
0: I was at the Sharks game.
1: Oh, when they scored an overtime. When Skinner scored an overtime. Oh, my god! Yeah,
0: they took the 2-0 lead, then Pavelski scored two or something like yeah. that late, and then and in I, overtime.
1: And I think you would agree, that was the loudest I've ever heard the building, was the game Oh, it wasn't two.
0: the loudest i ever heard the building. It was the loudest I've <laughs> heard the building in the last 10 years, Okay, though. all right, first saver. Well, okay, well, then let me ask you, well, side, what, yeah. was, what was the loudest you've heard the building? Oh, those runs they had in the mid 2000s. Oh, like when they're actually oh, when they when they were good. <laughs> when they were when they were Sabres. the, right, the class right. of the oh, league. God. Yeah. Those the, build, <laughs> yeah, the buildings oh, were duh. pretty loud for those. Yeah. Duh.
1: yeah, when they were actually a team. Yeah. But okay, yeah, in the loudest in 10 years I've heard that building was during the winning season.
0: 100%. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Every all the fans after the the Sharks game were exiting the the arena and the chant started going. Oh, yeah. 10. we won eleven. It was great. It was such a great atmosphere. It was so cool to see hockey back in the city. And then it stopped. <laughs> and it and it's been and it really has been brutal and not even close ever since. I'm just waiting to get that atmosphere back. And I think
1: selling fans on New Hope could be a way to do it. Okay, let me let me just say this really quickly because when I started on Jack Eichel, this is the point I wanted to get to. I'm so adamant that none of the, he, that he's not in the wrong for wanting out and seeing his value as an I think an MVP caliber player that wherever he goes, I'm saying this on air, I've said this on Twitter a bunch, but wherever he goes is my second team. Because like you alluded to, and like I alluded to, he's been the best player I've seen lace up since Ryan Miller, Dominic Ashick, Danny Rears uh crazy season. He's been the best player in the drought right oh yes yes <laughs> so i don't so when he goes to whatever team which we can talk about some other time because well oh, we gotta get some break here but anyway whatever team he goes to i'm hopping on that bandwagon as like a second team and checking in every so often and when they're on national tv i, w- I would like to watch jack eichel light it up for a team that has promise and has hope and like has has um what's the word i'm looking for oh um like goals, what's the you know has goals to make it far instead of being like oh aspirations that's the word aspirations. Uh, I want to see Jack Eichel on a team that has aspirations and eventually makes the playoffs and heck maybe even goes deep. Oh, I'm not going to root for the team that he goes I, to. Oh, I'm so Team Jack Eichel, especially I you can be you can.
0: I think there, there's two things that can exist here. You can understand and not fault him for wanting out, but you can also, I, but you can also say I want the sabers to win this trade. Oh, I want okay. the sabers to go forward without Jack Eichel and be successful. And yeah, sure, I'm not going to I don't want have ill will towards Jack if he no, goes I don't. elsewhere. No, I, I I certainly wouldn't be like root for his failure, but no, I don't no. I also don't have to actively cheer for him either.
1: There has been too many people I've seen on Twitter that are like, "Oh, uh, he's this is so bogus. He's been the best He's leaving us in the dust." Uh, that I'm just, I'm so sick of those, that crowd of, he's the worst, that I'm so pro-Jack Eichel. Like, like, there's an opposite action, t- you know, reaction to the action. So, all right. We got to take another break here on the Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Brendan's going to step out. Brendan, thank you for joining me on my hosting debut. Of course. Um, You got me for the rest of the hour right here on the Nightcap on WGR. Alrighty, a few minutes left here on the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. I got a quick top five for everyone. I had this idea driving in to work today. I celebrated my 23rd birthday yesterday, and it got me thinking: what are the top five moments of the past 23 years, my entire life in Buffalo sports history? So, let's fire up some music here very quickly. There we go. Alrighty. Top 5 moments past 23 years in Buffalo sports history as told by Franklin Heinzman. righty. Number 5, the Bills end the 15-game losing streak to the Patriots. That happened on September 25th, 2011. Oh, I should mention the range here is July 21st, 1998 and on. So, moment number 5 in Buffalo sports history, Bills end the 15-game losing streak to the Patriots, September 25th, 2011. Picturesque day in Orchard Park, uh, the 2-0 Patriots come to town with Tom Brady, who was long-flowing locks Tom Brady at that point, um, and to take on the 2-0 Bills. And after being down 21-0, the Bills with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Freddie Jackson, they rally to win 34-31. to I was 13 at the time. I was stoked that Brady threw four interceptions as I've grown up kind of despising Tom Brady, I'm not going to lie. All right, number four. Number four, Game Five of the 2007 Eastern Conference Semifinals. That happened May 4th, 2007. Sabers are down two to one in the dying seconds of the game. Chris Jury ties it. Max Afinogenov scores on the power play. 4:39. Sabers go on to win the series. What sticks out to me from that game is the party on the Palazzo. And you know, funny enough, in my research, they were um, they had the whole game on YouTube. So that was kind of fun to you know reminisce and uh, watch a few clips from that as well. All right, number three moment, top five moments in the past 23 years since July 21st, my birthday, July 21st, 1998. Jason Pominville's OT goal sends the Sabres to the Eastern Conference Finals. That happened May 13th, 2006. 226 into overtime, Jason Pominville scores a shorthanded goal to win the game 3-2, and he was driving to the net on Ray Emery in the white goat jerseys. Ryan Miller made uh, 34 saves. Of course, that's the these guys are scary good. Call that came from that game. Alrighty, let me shift music here from number or from hockey. Here we got the around the NHL. Let me shift to uh, some football music. Give me one second here. There we go. Oh, here we go. Alrighty, number two moment in my life. The Taren Johnson pick six. That happened January 16, 2021, less than a minute to go in the third quarter of the AFC Divisional Round. Defensive stalwart the whole game. Offenses couldn't get going. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens drive 66 yards down the field on 15 plays on the nine-yard line. And, of course, Terren Johnson takes it the distance. I was in disbelief when that happened. And, you know, fast forward to a few weeks ago maybe. Sal Capaccio said it was one of the loudest stadiums you ever heard. And I remember being in disbelief then too, because remember that was limited crowd. However many thousands of people sounded like a pack house, and it was Peak Bill's Mafia. So that's number two. Number one! The number one moment in the past 23 years, my entire existence in Buffalo sports history is when the drought ended. The 18 playoff year drought ended on December 31st, 2017. They beat the Miami Dolphins in Miami. And the improbable Tyler Boyd, Andy Dalton, the Tyler Boyd play happens shortly thereafter. The funny thing about this was I was in New York City with friends. The Sabres were playing in the Winter Classic the next day when they played the Rangers at City Field. So we got to New York, we watched it in our hotel, and we went crazy. I will will never forget calling my family. I was literally running down the halls of the hotel outside of New York City, so that that's pretty unforgettable, and that's uh, that's why it's my number one moment. My top in my top five moments of the past twenty three years in Buffalo sports history. Uh, I guess we could do honorable mentions. Yeah, first Winter Classic, Craig Gervais' game winning goal after the really sad Flight Thirty Four Hundred Seven crash, the Snow Bowl game against the Colts, um, beating the Colts in the wildcard game last year to end the playoff win drought. That was pretty awesome, but just to go through it again the bills ending the 15 game losing streak to the Patriots coming in at number five, game five of the 2007 Eastern conference semifinals, Jason Pomaville's OT goal to send the Sabres to the Eastern conference finals coming in at number three, Taryn Johnson pick six from the AFC divisional round last year, coming in at number two. And when the drought ended on December 31st, 2017. Alrighty, that's it. Thank you, Jody DiBiase, for letting me fill in. Thank you, Brendan Keeney. He had to step out. Um, for doing this with me. This was awesome. I had so much fun. Thank you guys for the support. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Oh, one more thing. Follow us on Twitter at WGR 550. Follow me at underscore Franklin underscore H. A lot of underscores. Don't worry about it. Brendan Keeney. All righty. I think that's all I got. WGR Sports Radio 550.